0: Have a bunch of kids toys at my feet because my son sometimes plays in here and if you knock them they start playing obnoxious songs so. <laughs> that's gonna be great hello and welcome to the android police podcast my name is daniel bader this week on the show it is samsung Unpacked 2023 that means we have galaxy s 23 devices to talk about and to give Will a break, he is currently recovering from a red eye. We have brought on our old friend, Alex Dobie, formerly of Android Central, now of XD developers. Alex, hey, hey.
1: welcome to the pod. How are you, man? I'm good, it's good to be back. Um, it feels like an eternity probably because it has been an eternity being on, on a pod with you guys. But yeah, it's, it's just, just like the old
0: days. Yeah, it's been at least two years. So time does fly and yet judging by these phones, it's it's kind of familiar black
2: so. circle,
0: yeah. let's let's jump right in. There wasn't a lot of fanfare, I think, leading up to these phones because the leaks gave it away pretty early on. These are iterative, and that would be generous. We have the s twenty three, the s twenty three plus the s twenty three ultra, very similar designs to the s twenty two series. I would say the s twenty three ultra has received the least design improvement but the design improvement that it has received is probably the most significant if that makes any sense whereas the S22 and S23 and S23 plus kind of look different enough from their predecessors from the back but like don't have any meaningful usability improvements from that change so we'll we'll get into that there're also a couple of laptops that you've played with Alex and uh, that's it. There's no accessories this year. No
1: new earbuds, hey. no new watch, <laughs> nothing. There, there is no way to accessorize these phones.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there are no new cases or anything for these phones. No. Well, I mean, we don't, I don't, I don't, I don't we really care talk, about.
0: That's it, right? Like, I think the interesting part of a Samsung launch in the past has been what they announce in addition to the phones. Uh, this was just laptops, so...
2: They're I love nice laptops. how you say there's just laptops.
0: But I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, yes, laptops have made a comeback, but it's interesting that Samsung's laptop comeback comes two years after everybody else's laptop comeback, even though these are arguably the company's best laptops they've ever
1: released. I don't know. I like earbuds and smartwatches, so maybe I'm just sad. It was a little bit of a weird juxtaposition, and I think... Yeah, like the only thing really tying them together is the ultra brand name, which is tenuous at best. Right.
2: I mean, they tried to highlight the interoperability of the My Phone Companion app, but even just using the regular like Windows Phone Companion app on Android and any Windows device is already pretty stellar. There's not much more for regular people to want out of it.
1: Yeah, and any Windows laptop manufacturer doing this kind of thing, you always look like you're just chasing the iOS ecosystem and and falling short. Yeah, exactly. I think it's
0: interesting that Samsung announced all these products on the heels of its worst Q4 earnings results in nine years, since 2014. Uh, Sorry, the worst quarterly results since the third quarter of 2014 and it just speaks to the overall macroeconomic reality of smartphone sales. We talked about it last week. Everybody saw declines, like quite precipitous declines. I don't know if these phones are meant to really get people excited about new Samsung phones as much as they are just about replacing last year's models with a slightly better model. And if you're in the market to upgrade, then go ahead and do and, it.
1: And that's the weird thing. Uh, and we can get to talking about the more controversial thing that's that's come to light in the past day or so, which is the trade-in deals, right? Because if these are phones that are supposed to keep you in the Samsung ecosystem as, say, an S20 or S21 Ultra owner, especially in the US, what you've relied on going from year to year to, to drive those upgraders has been very generous trade-in values, which just isn't there this year. And so you have a combination of the, the trade-in value is, is garbage if you're going, especially you know, from an, like an S22 Ultra to an S twenty three Ultra and the difference is less than ever. No, no, so no, no, no,
2: The worst trade-in values are not the ultra. It's the S23 Plus because both the S twenty three and the S twenty-three plus, your maximum trade-in value is three hundred and fifty dollars. Oof. Like that yeah, like the eight hundred dollar one with a max of three fifty trade in was just kind of like, what is going on? But for the thousand dollar phone, that's just
1: and we're, yeah, we're but this be, is also
2: something we knew was coming. Like we we could see this coming a mile away. I wrote maybe, about this two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, maybe. And, and this, like, Samsung trading values have always been a little bit rougher outside the U.S. Like North America has had it pretty good the past few years compared to the rest of the world. But at the same time, yeah, we're we're long past the days where you could buy like a Pixel Three A and sell it to Samsung at a profit to get money off your new uh, your new flagship.
0: How many stories did we hear of people getting the Z Flip Four? nothing because they traded in some like a first gen z flip and it basically gave them nine hundred dollars to play with
2: well samsung debuffed the trade-in values for the flip Four during that pre-order window because yeah it was it was a good deal and a lot of people took advantage of it and samsung realized like oh we're we're losing money here
0: so yeah i mean let's save that for a bit later let's jump straight into the phones themselves alex you've had a chance to see All three of them, you went to a content capture experience. First, like, what is a content capture experience like in 2023? Is it back to kind of pre COVID? Like, set the
1: scene for us so a content capture experience especially here in the uk and especially for samsung is a little bit different to what you would normally get with any other manufacturer with samsung what they tend to do is take over one of their flagship stores one of their flagship experience zones this time it was king's cross in london which was one of the at least two flagship stores they have a very fancy newly built all glass sort of store and basically they close the store for the afternoon they open it up to press you have you know great lighting they have demo areas set up they have a bunch of samsung staff there to help you out with stuff they have hand the models because um, that's a thing now apparently uh, if you want someone to hold a hold the phone for you to operate it that has beautiful hands then they have people there to help you out with that um, oh, so I mean, it's you have much... so many
2: one-man bloggers I mean you kind of need the models in order to not just have phone in a stand or phone on a flat surface during those
1: that's true yeah and actually that, that was kind of it was me who's someone who deals mainly in video that's appreciated because If you're a one-man band shooting your own video, it's much easier to just have someone there that you can hand the phone to and say, okay, do this, and then you can point your camera at it. So uh, yeah, Samsung tends to go all out with these events, especially compared to other companies where maybe it's perhaps an event at a hotel suite or something like that. But Samsung, yeah, they they tend to be pretty serious about this kind of thing um they have obviously is a, a huge company they have a number of big retail venues around the world they know uh, through years of experience how to get lighting right and stuff of photography and they have people there who know their stuff uh, when it comes to the actual product so yeah they're usually pretty polished and uh one of the the easier sort of content capture experiences i've had i think
0: s23 s23 plus let's start there In the UK, as everywhere now, they are running Snapdragon 8 Gen
1: 2. Finally. Is this the first time ever that you've had a Snapdragon? No, so it's... They they kind of alternated. The the last time they did Snapdragon over here, I think, was in the early days of 4G, where they didn't have a 4G Exynos. So I think Mm -hmm. it was like S4 sort of era. So it's been a while. And basically, when they did that back in the day, it was because... Uh, it, you know, it was the reasons that they just didn't have their own four G modem, so it was easier to sh- ship the Snapdragon in the four G version. Now it's more like a strategic move towards Qualcomm and that partnership, and of course, away from the very well known sort of less than ideal performance and especially battery life uh, issues that we've had with Exynos over the years. Is this Samsung
0: Electronics just acknowledging that the foundry side of the business is floundering? It doesn't really have a future. Obviously, Exynos is the basis for Tensor in some form, and we know Google makes some adjustments to that core makeup, but like for all intents and purposes, if you look into the bones of a Tensor uh, or a Tensor G2, a Tensor G1, it's a rebranded Exynos. What does this say about Samsung Electronics, that it's leaning heavily into Snapdragon and that it's signed this deal for a long-term partnership?
1: I think it's an acknowledgement that over the past few years, a significant chunk of Samsung's customers have been left with a demonstrably worse experience. And it's varied from year to year, but uh, I think certain phones like S9, S10 were particularly bad in terms of just battery life. You know, you can benchmark either way, but when the phone runs hotter, when it lasts an hour or so less than the equivalent Snapdragon version. Obviously, something's not right. And we saw early steps a couple of years ago when Samsung basically fired the entire team in Texas that was working on their own custom core designs that, you know, that wasn't working out for them. Uh, then we had Exynos that was based on the off-the-shelf ARM designs, and that still wasn't great compared to what Qualcomm was able to produce with TSMC. So it just makes sense for their business. And uh, now Samsung has the bragging rights of having their own Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 4 Galaxy, which is pretty much just an you know the high, basically a higher-binned version of the chip that everyone else gets. So probably you won't notice any difference if you have in performance versus any other Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 versus a phone like a, a OnePlus 11, but uh, you know Samsung still gets that bragging rights of having the faster chip than, than everyone else.
0: Okay, so slightly binned Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. We have 6.1-inch display on the S23, 6.6-inch on the S23 Plus. Both have peak brightness levels of 1,700 nits. That's very good. It's also the same
2: well, as- you are also almost never gonna see that.
0: No, no, no. That's when, you know, you have like a single white spot on the screen and it's like extremely bright outside. But we're looking at like a general brightness level that's higher than last year, in line with the S twenty three Ultra. It doesn't go down to one hertz like the S twenty three ultra. It's between forty eight and one twenty. And I think it's stepped, right? So it's not dynamic in the same way that the S twenty three Ultra is. Am I right about that?
2: I think so, but I also want to clarify that the S23 Plus screen is exactly as bright as it was last year. Only the base S23 was still dim for the 22 series.
0: Interesting, because the S23 seems to be like this weird compromise where it starts its base storage at 128, 8 gigs of RAM. It has Wi Fi 6E, not Wi Fi 7. It has slower charging at 25 watts versus 45 watts. It's rumored to have slower storage, at least on the 128 gig model. So Samsung's clearly making. know achieving some some savings there and obviously these phones are the same price as last year even with rises in inflation and other consumer goods rising in cost but generally the specs seem similar sizing seems similar alex what did they tell you about the cameras because the s23 and s23 plus have 50 megapixel sensors on the wide angle but they're
1: improved actual sensors compared to last year right So as I understand it, there aren't a huge... They didn't highlight any actual rear camera hardware changes to us. That may be just a peculiarity of of our briefing. Um, The only thing they highlighted to us on the camera hardware side was the upgraded front-facing camera on those two small ones. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe they gave us different information. No, see, that's the thing, is that I've heard competing... I've heard some people say that there is a
0: new upgraded 50-megapixel sensor inside the smaller phones. Some people,
1: like you, are saying that's not the case. It's only with the selfie... I, I don't know. I'm definitely heard that's not the case, but they didn't tell us that. If it is the case, right? That seems
0: very likely because they like mm. to obfuscate. Um, we do know that the ultra wide, the uh, selfie camera is, as you said, a 12 megapixel sensor. It now has autofocus. So last year there was a 10 megapixel sensor on the S22 and S22 Plus, and a 40 megapixel on the Ultra that's been down to 10. Now we just have a higher quality, larger. Twelve megapixel sensor that doesn't bin—that's, in my opinion, probably a good thing. You're probably going to get better results there. And then, I-, I guess the batteries on the smaller phones are slightly bigger: thirty-nine and forty-seven hundred milliamp hours, respectively. That's going to be, a, yeah, uh, that's a, significant a big, deal,
1: especially change. especially for the smaller one, and especially. If, for example, you're in this part of the world and you're going from an Exynos with that smaller battery to now a Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 with that bigger battery, I think that's going to be probably something you're really going to notice if you're going for like a year-to-year upgrade there.
2: Well, I'm worried that the... Because, I mean, it's only 200 milliamp hours bigger. I worry that the increased processing power, that'll be... uh, Well, no, not even brightness, the processor, since they clock up the snapdragon 8 gen 2 for galaxy i wonder if that will eat more energy because well yeah it's not going to be going full tilt all the time that's still something that whenever you're like actually genuinely using your phone you're probably going to burn through battery a little bit faster even if you are in a not so bright area
1: yeah potentially we don't know how the voltages break down or anything like that how how samsung has clocked its particular version of the chip versus the regular one um what we do know for the the like, you know, not for Galaxy version of, of the, the 8 Gen 2 is that in the Chinese phones that we've used it in, it, it's pretty, pretty efficient. So, and the, the bump in peak frequency is not that huge. It's like 200 megahertz or something like that. So I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to test when we have more of these regular 8 Gen 2 phones to, to compare with the, uh, the S23 series. I
0: also think that Samsung or Qualcomm has emphasized improved efficiency in general on the snapdragon 8 gen 2 we saw a manufacturing change from the 8 gen 1 to the 8 plus gen 1 right from samsung to tsmc and the 8 Gen 2 is also manufactured by tsmc
1: yeah and it was it was sort of rumored early on that samsung foundry would be making this version which had some people worried because obviously the difference between that well one of the differences between the 8 gen 1 and the 8 plus gen 1 was um, tsmc versus samsung but apparently both versions are actually manufactured by TSMC, just the Samsung version is a higher-binned one. So right. yeah, it should hopefully um, have all the benefits, the the efficiency benefits that were in that A-plus Gen 1. We'll get to this in a second,
0: but I've been using the S23 Ultra, as most reviewers have, for the last 24 hours or so. Battery life is exceptional. I mean, obviously, it doesn't scale linearly. This is coming from a 5,000 hour battery, but I would expect the 3,900 hour sell in the S23 will go farther for most people than the S22, regardless of whether you were on Snapdragon or Exynos. All right. Is there anything else about the smaller ones? Let's talk a little bit about the design. So they Mm -hmm. basically got rid of that top left protrusion, the sort of cover for the camera modules. In person, Alex,
1: how did you feel about that change? I mean, it's, it's a very small design change. I think the, the biggest difference is just the uniformity that it brings to the line as a whole, right? Obviously, you don't notice the wedge when you're holding it and maybe not, even not when it's in your pocket. Uh, it's what it does to the, the line as a whole when you, you actually see it. So um, yeah, it's more just there for you know, Samsung's sense of uh, cohesion across across the entire line. Maybe it was something they wanted to do last year but, but couldn't just because of the, the layout of the internals or whatever. But yeah, now you have... They want to paint this, I think, as kind of an iconic design. I don't know if that's <laughs> giving it a little bit too much credit. It's It is still very minimalistic, but... You look at the two uh, smaller ones and the larger one, and even though there are differences, the larger one is obviously has a lot of Galaxy Note DNA and there still. They still now look more like they belong to the same family uh, compared to last year.
0: Yeah, even though the S23s are slightly rounder than the Ultra, from the back, they do look of a part, and they certainly didn't last year. So I think that's definitely, that was the goal. Before I move on to the Ultra, was there anything else you wanted
1: to mention about the smaller phones? There are some things that the new chip enables, aside from any potential changes in camera hardware, like you've got uh, 8K video at 30 FPS now, which as a video person, that kind of makes 8K actually usable. You know, 24, a lot of people like 24 because it's more cinematic, but 8K 30 across the entire range now, which is something, you know, that comes from that newer chip that is uh, something that affects uh, the entire range, uh, especially in a year where there aren't really a whole great number of uh, features that uh, have changed from from year to year in those smaller models
2: yeah i wanted to pitch in a tiny bit on the floating camera design as opposed to a consistent like solid camera module for all the cameras i'm not a huge fan mostly because i know people who had the s22 ultra and dust just accumulates around each and every one of those rings (laughs) like nobody's business So it looks prettier in the renders. It looks prettier when you take it out of the box. I guarantee you it will not be pretty in six months when you're having to try and like, you basically almost need one of those like putty cleaner things for keyboards in order to actually get dust off of this phone.
1: You need a tiny brush that fits inside the S Pen.
2: That would be so nice. Uh, But yeah, I mean, again, it's not a huge change. And a lot of the S23 cases that we have seen so far are actually like, yeah, no, this is crap here. Or have a camera module again, essentially. Was I just so imagining I'm, this, or
1: was there at one point like a 3D printed block that you could put over the uh, the camera module on the, the previous ones? On, well, the previous there ultra? were
2: lens protectors for the cameras that came as a single block because that was just the easiest way to make sure you got the lineup right on them. Okay. <laughs> so yes, they were a thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, use a case or just deal with it. I hate to, to say it, but like you should use a case with these phones anyway, because they are so slippery.
2: I was about to ask, even with that upgraded curve to the S23 Ultra, is it actually easier to keep a hold of in, in your hand or in your pocket?
0: Not so far, I've dropped this thing three times already. It's the sides, the glossy slot sides are just slippery. Like the aluminum is just slippery inherently. So yeah, no no luck so far. Anyway, let's talk about the Ultra. If you have the S22 Ultra and S23 Ultra next to one another, it's very difficult to tell them apart unless you are getting really close. But upon closer inspection, you'll notice a few things. The bezels, the radius of the curve, it's all slightly boxier. Samsung says this is to make it easier to use the S Pen. You have more surface area. You don't lose those edges. Samsung has also been moving in this direction for years. I'm surprised this is not just a completely flat display like it is on the S23 and S23 Plus. It's a little thicker overall, and the cameras themselves protrude ever, ever so slightly more than the S22 Ultra. From the front though, it's basically impossible to tell the difference between the two phones. So,
1: that's it. Alex, did I get all of the changes or did you notice any others? No, you pretty much got it. I mean, the only th- other thing is the colors, um, which I guess applies to the the smaller ones as well. Um, uh, yeah, especially oh, please,
2: you- please let me go off.
1: <laughs> I have by words. Means,
2: at first, in all of their briefings, Samsung said they like didn't make any mention of the exclusive colors, which is slightly weird. Because even if they wouldn't give us all the images, they would at least tell us, okay, we have these custom colors for the phone. So they were a late ad for whenever we were prepping content for this phone. But when we first heard that, it was going to be all four custom colors for all three phones. And then yesterday arrived and we only got that god-awful lime and the graphite for the smaller two phones. While the beautiful red and that sky blue that I have been wanting so badly since the S22, both of those are ultra only, which I understand why you want exclusive colors. I'm almost grateful that the exclusive colors suck this year for the smaller phones because that made it easier for me to buy my first carrier phone in a decade. Because Unlocked is great for faster software updates. But for me, it was, okay, if I can't get a custom color, there is no reason to buy this phone Unlocked.
0: That's really interesting. I know it's you and you care more about colors than most people, but like, what is it about the colors that just like didn't speak to you this year? So I feel like lavender or, or like, I know you didn't like the green. We've talked about that. But like, I feel like lavender, lime,
1: like the, the cream as well isn't as bad as I like the um, green. As I thought it, the yeah. Cream the cream
2: is better than last year's like fold four and trying to remember if there was a cream exclusive color for one of the other phones. I will say the cream is okay. The lavender is okay. Although, in the majority of the pictures I see of this phone, I still immediately go, Call it whatever you want. That is pink.
0: It is pink. Yeah, it's more pink than purple. Yeah,
2: which is a bummer for me because I love me a good purple phone. But yeah, the colors here this year we have two super light colors, and then we have a green that looks somehow worse than the like the only green that is worse than this one in the last five years of Samsung phones is the Galaxy S21 FE, and that god awful olive. Like Samsung has done. A number of great emerald green phones in the past. Some of the earlier Note series had greens that just made you want to go weak at the knees. And then we get this and it's like, oh, it's somehow dark yet somehow pale at the same time. Like what is going on here?
0: I just think this is a year that companies are not trying to stand out. They're trying to make good, clean, minimal products. Like that just seems to be the trend. I don't know if you're seeing that in in like other industries, but specifically around tech, I would say that companies are just trying to put their proverbial noses down and just like put out high quality products that aren't making a huge statement. And these colors bear that out. I mean, I have a red S22 Ultra. I love it. I think it's
1: fantastic. But that is really like the exception. And I think it's notable that this year, you know, Samsung.com always has the the more sort of, ostentatious colors and even those colors this year are quite understated. Well, yes.
2: the custom colors were pale last year on the Galaxy S22 series outside of the Fiesta Red because we had like a more yellow cream like a baby chick yellow and then we had the sky blue and we, I want to say we had a purple that wasn't quite purple but yeah, the colors were generally pale last year as well. But I think this is a matter of Samsung wanting to be all soft and comforting with its colors, and it just coming off as bland.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's totally possible. I don't mind them. I actually I like the colors. I don't I don't think they're egregious in any way. I think they're tasteful. Most people, in my opinion, should go for the red if they can get it because it just looks awesome in person, and the matte black sides just are lovely. It it does look like. And correct me if I'm wrong. But it does look like all of the S23 Ultras use a black S Pen this year, whereas uh,
2: only a few yes. of the
0: colors did last year.
2: Well, last year, if you got an exclusive colored Galaxy S22 Ultra, the shaft of your S Pen was color matched to your phone, and then it had the matte black clicker oh, okay, that's in order was. to match with the bumper. So this right. year, since we have silver bumpers for like the Sky Blue and black bumpers for some of the others, we have a sort of mix. So it makes sense that they were just like, mm, Nope, y'all get black.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so beyond the colors, uh, I don't want to interrupt you, Ara, but uh, rant over?
2: Yeah, no, we're good. The bottom line for this is the colors are unexpiring. Please buy a cute case. There's a lot of them out there. I saw so many pretty ones yesterday.
1: So Alex, the phone itself,
0: what were your first impressions
1: given your time with it? Uh, so my first impressions were that it's having used an Exynos version of the a couple of the the S 22s that it was fast, it ran cool. There was no real you know impression that it was generating that much heat, which wasn't something that you would always see with with the Exynos version. So this felt every bit as smooth, fast, responsive, cool, efficient uh, as you would get from uh, from like a folder of flip, which is a very good sign. Obviously borne out by what you've said about battery life, the cameras as well. It was kind of interesting to sort of mentally compare with the S22 Ultra. Obviously, I didn't have one there to directly compare, but at sort of that 20 to 30 times range, one of the big differences I noticed was the degree to which you could get really nice usable shots in that range, so up to about 30 times. It still did a fantastic job of processing that, and you can see you take the original shot, it's a little bit blurry, then it processes it, and it, you know whether it's a combination of just better processing or more data from that larger uh, main sensor, the zoom shots, even though the actual telephoto hardware hasn't changed, were pretty impressive to me.
0: It's really interesting. Apple does this all the time, where it interrupts the middle of its presentation to talk about the content that some famous director created with like a quote mobile rig, which is basically a professional rig that replaces a $50,000 camera with an iPhone. And Samsung did the same thing yesterday during its announcement it brought on ridley scott to the stage to talk about a movie that he made with the s23 ultra okay
1: sure <laughs> i mean a good videographer can you know like a hollywood level videographer can produce great videos on on anything right that doesn't yeah. really speak to the that, that's the that's the person that's not the uh, the equipment
0: what what i find so interesting about these these little marketing ploys is that the movies are never quite as interesting as the behind the scenes of the makings of the movie. Mm. (laughs) Um, Apple created this, I think it was, uh, who's the guy who did Up in in the Air? Um,
2: This is When You Need Will, because I cannot remember that.
0: Jason and Ivan Reitman. So they made a short for the iPhone 13 series. It was the first time they ever directed something together. They created this iPhone commercial. And it was a really impressive commercial. It used all these rails and got deep into a freezer. And it it's shot in like these really interesting vantage points, but I found the actual behind the scenes way 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 more interesting. Uh, and it's on YouTube if you want to find it. But anyway, I just going back to this right. Like they bought they brought Ridley Scott of all people out on stage, uh, and talked about. No, they
2: didn't. Ridley Scott was just a video. I don't think they, they didn't know. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. He
0: was, he was recording.
2: Because Will was there and Will was really bummed because he's like, oh my God, they're about to bring Ridley Ridley Scott on stage. Oh, no, just a video. Uh,
0: Sorry, it was a pre recorded segment. Yeah. But they had Ridley Scott at the event um, basically talking about how they use the S23 Ultra to create a movie. But I just find it interesting that this is something Samsung cares about, right? They've done this before. They've, I think, shot an entire episode of, Late night, um, I think it was Jimmy Fallon. They filmed an entire episode of the show using, I think it was an S21 Ultra or S20 Ultra. This is not unusual for Samsung, but anyway, Ridley Scott, of all people, I just found fascinating that he would he would be the one to kind of give into this.
1: Yeah, the messaging there is obviously that a lot of people know that the iPhone has been ahead by quite a great distance in terms of video for quite a long time. And between, you know, Ridley Scott appearance uh the focus on what you know improved um OIS, uh VDIS, and uh AI noise reduction in this new camera. Uh they're pitching this as the Android phone finally that can potentially go toe to toe with and potentially beat the iPhone uh, in video.
0: Yes. Right. That's it. TBD. I mean I've had the phone for less than twenty four hours. The two hundred megapixel sensor here, let's let's just talk about it. This is I think right now exclusive to the S twenty three.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a new Samsung sensor, which actually is you know, obviously very new and very high resolution, but smaller than some of the sensors, the especially the Sony uh, new Sony IMX that we've seen in some Chinese phones. So um, on paper, it's not as advanced as stuff that other manufacturers have, but currently, yeah, exclusive to uh, Samsung.
0: I mean, it's still not a small sensor. It's one over one point four inches versus the one over one point three inches and. In- was it 949? I think it's
1: 1 over, one point, one over 1.3 versus 1 over 1.33 last year. Right. So yeah, slightly smaller,
0: but who knows? That's a lot of megapixels to work with. It bins down to 12, 12 and a half, I think.
1: And the other difference it makes is with autofocus, because obviously it uses every pixel to focus. So more data points for focusing means potentially you can get a more accurate uh, or you know, do a- autofocus more accurately and more quickly, potentially. Right. I will say that I took some photos. Yeah, let me take that
2: to a parade and test that out, and then let's talk about uh, focus actually being correct.
0: And I also did some tests inside yesterday with my kids. Samsung has always struggled with capturing movement in artificial light. Does not seem to be much better this year. It's just like an evergreen Samsung story here. Take photos of your kids and dogs with other phones because Samsung will almost never get it if you're using auto. But expert raw. More advanced shooting methods are built into the camera system this year. Uh, You can access the Expert Raw app directly from the Samsung camera app. And Samsung has also partnered with Adobe Lightroom to be the exclusive photo editing experience for the Expert Raw app. So you can actually just tap right after shooting a photo and it goes into Lightroom right into editing. So I don't know, that's, that's pretty neat. The Lightroom app is pretty good
1: all things considered. Something else that I think a lot of people appreciate that has been exclusive to, to Pixels for a while, Samsung now finally has its own version of uh, astrophotography. I think it's called Astro Hyperlapse. And it actually has a constellation guide built in as well. So you can see where various planets and constellations are as you, you tilt the phone up at, at the sky.
0: Oh, that is very cool. I did not see that. So glad to know that Samsung has at least done something to catch up to Google when it comes to hyper or time-lapse stuff. because. Yeah, the Pixel is just so far ahead of everybody; it's not even close. Um, all right, what else? What else about these phones is uh, is interesting to you? Nothing. That's so, the problem. <laughs>
1: so, I, th- I think for and this is this is a very regional thing. But like I said, um, there are going to be a lot of people in Europe who are going to be going from, say, an Exynos S twenty Ultra, or uh, did, was that even an Ultra? Yeah, I think it was S twenty Ultra or S twenty one Ultra, um, who now finally can get a Snapdragon version, and the the upgrade from year to year in terms of um, you know, endurance, performance over time, and battery life is going to seem like a big upgrade to those compared to um, the Snapdragon phones that were on on sale in the US and China. So, I think that is something that maybe you shouldn't underestimate. There that there's a whole segment of the world that has been sort of crying out to have these um, more efficient Snapdragon uh, Galaxy phones that now finally will be able to uh, actually get their hands on them. So, you think that the upgrade cycle
0: will likely be different outside of the US compared to the US because if you have an S21 or an S20, you might still be quite happy with your device, but if in the US, but if you're using the same phone in Europe or Asia where the Exynos was used and is potentially bogging your your phone down, this might be like a super cycle
1: year for Samsung. For certain people, yeah. I think if you're a phone nerd, if you know about this stuff, if you if you follow uh, XNOS versus Snapdragon to know uh, what that whole argument was about, then that's an extra thing this year to sort of tempt you to say, okay, uh, now you can get it with, with the good chip. Yeah, right. Or at least like now your phone won't die after
0: six hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, tangible, tangible marketing opportunities there. I mean, the, the other part of this too is Apple, right? Apple also recently released a fairly iterative set of phones. The iPhone 14 Pro, arguably, even though it has a dynamic island or an eSIM only in the US and a couple of other things, is arguably a very iterative improvement over the the 13 series. The year-over-year improvements mm. in the SoC from the A15 Bionic to the A16 Bionic seem fairly minimal. Camera improvements. Some people have actually said the camera on the iPhone 14 Pro series is worse than the iPhone 13. So I don't know, where, where are we at just in terms of the overall market? Like It's getting harder and harder for us even as journalists and as, as phone enthusiasts to talk about
1: the year-over-year differentiation in any meaningful way. These are just good phones. One important point to start with is that the normal rules do not apply to Apple. Apple has been doing very iterative updates since for as long as the iPhone has been a thing, right? It's quite normal for an iPhone to not have much new stuff from year to year. And Apple can get away with that in a way that basically no one else can. At the same time, I think that, yeah, on the Samsung side, it's a little bit unusual that we've gone from, say, S21, S22, now S23. Okay, last year brought the S Pen back. But fundamentally, in all the things that matter in a phone, uh, the form factor, the size, the weight, you know, camera experience not a lot has changed. And that is a bit of an anomaly. Uh, And I think now we're probably at the stage where potentially this is the sort of end of this sort of era of Galaxy phones. And probably next year, we're going to need to see something that's a little bit different, whether it's an under display camera, whether it's faster charging, because Samsung doesn't exist just within the US within that very uncompetitive bubble. It also does business in China and in Europe in in many countries where you have devices that have very competitive features that Samsung just hasn't been offering until now. So, uh, you know, for example, you look at OnePlus. We know in China it ships with a 100-watt charger. That's not something Samsung's going anywhere near that does make a big difference to the way you use a phone. Same deal with, like I said, under-display cameras that are in Samsung's foldables, but we know other manufacturers are doing a better job with hiding the under-display camera in a way Samsung currently in its mainstream flagship isn't even attempting to do. So I think probably this year we are at this sort of end of a generation point Next year, we're going to need to see some kind of, you know, okay, what's the next step?
2: Can I throw a crazy idea out there? Go for it. To be fair, this is probably not really a business decision so much as it is what customers would really want. But since we've plateaued so much with phones, I'm kind of okay with every iterative iterative update being not super noteworthy but enough that whenever you go to trade in your phone after two or three years or one year if you're on one of those ridiculous upgrade plans, it's an exciting enough phone to make you justify upgrading to it. Because in my opinion, you can buy a phone and it'll last you three to five years if it's a premium flagship phone. We've hit that point. So now if companies like Samsung and Google and Apple and all the others they don't need to reinvent the wheel every year. We don't need to see drastic overhauls every single year, which for most of the last decade, we've pretty much seen. We've gotten used to everything being like over the top and all the new features and everything. We kind of have all the features. We've nailed down what people want in the hardware. So now it's just a matter of keeping things current and moving it along.
1: And that's where we go full circle back to the economics of giving your S22 Ultra back to Samsung for $500 credit.
2: Well, that's the thing. Samsung is telling you you shouldn't trade this in. You should keep using it because anybody who looks at that trading value and doesn't immediately go, screw that, needs their head checked. If you have a Galaxy S22, you should not be buying this phone. If you have a Galaxy S21, you may or may not want this phone, depending on if you've lived in an Exynos market. Well. For Exynos markets, this year is going to be a changeover where a lot of people will upgrade just to get a better, faster, more efficient processor. But for the North American market where we've had Qualcomm forever, this not being a super impressive upgrade cycle still doesn't mean that Samsung didn't do the job that they needed to this year. Especially because Samsung itself, Samsung's trading values are crap for the unlocked model but all of the carriers are just going ham with the Galaxy S23 series.
1: Yeah, I saw one for like a $1000 bill credit?
2: Yeah, um, AT&T and T-Mobile are both doing up to $1000 off your Galaxy S23 plus. So yeah, you can get the S23 or the S23 plus free on two of the carriers and then Verizon is taking 800 off so that's a free S23, $200 S23 plus and a $400 Ultra. While ATT and T-Mobile AT&T and T-Mobile, man, I need caffeine, are free or a $200 Ultra, which makes it a much easier proposition for somebody who is like, I don't know a whole lot about phones, but my phone is getting up there in years or it's no longer doing what I want to, or I finally dropped it the right way and the screen shattered. So yeah, time to upgrade. This works.
0: I think there's something to be said about Samsung not increasing the cost of these devices. You know, the trade-in offers, the, the mounts that they're generally offered are are not set by Samsung. They're set by their third-party partner wow. that differs in every country, most likely.
2: Well, but part of that is Samsung enhancing it. Like Anytime you see a Samsung deal and it says enhanced trade-in, that's Samsung inflating those prices on top of what the third-party uh, processor that they use will give for a device.
0: Right. You're, you know, you're you're right, but what it looks like this year is that they're not willing to take a loss, right? They're they're looking to make as much money yeah, they, as possible on the devices themselves. Yeah, they were they, buying they the got,
1: loyalty before, yeah, right? They, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and for a long time that has worked. That has built Samsung a loyal, diehard following. But it times get tight, and this is what happens.
0: I mean, that's also the loyalty part is also an interesting one, right? Uh, one of the things that Samsung and I, like I, I me and Samsung, we talked about this. Uh, I talked to a couple of higher level people at Samsung at the end of last year about the S23 Ultra. I mean, it, was, it wasn't called the S23 Ultra back then, but what they were saying was how they'd had trouble getting S twenty Note 20 and previous Note owners to upgrade to the S22 Ultra. That was their struggle. That the number of people holding on to their notes was high because of XYZ reason, right? Micro SD, just like familiarity with the brand, et cetera. This was the year, apparently, they told me that Samsung was going to expend much more effort targeting the tens or hundreds of thousands of note owners by reinforcing that at heart, this is a note. The S23. Ultra is a note. So they made it more boxy. They made the S Pen experience slightly better. They made the battery life better. But they didn't bring back the SD card the way that Apple conceded ports on the MacBook Pro line. Obviously not the same. But like this is a company acknowledging what it can and cannot do for its most loyal, most diehard followers. And maybe it's just that they're not as worried about people switching away this year. If you had a Note or you had an S or whatever, you're not going to go off and switch to an iPhone this year.
2: Well, even when smartphone shipments fell throughout 2022, Samsung was still a third of the global mobile market, or at least I believe it was a third of the Western mobile market. And like it still they, is. In, in, yeah. And it it's one of the biggest phone companies in the world. Like They're not super worried because they know what their competition looks like in the vast majority of the markets that they sell in. They have to be more competitive in China. They have to be more competitive in India. They have the United States sewn up so long as the carrier upgrade system is as it is. Because so long as carriers can be like, we'll give you $1,000 back in bill credits if you buy this phone, they don't have to worry about the prices because the carriers are subsidizing them. And they don't have to worry about the price to consumers because consumers just see free phone.
0: Well, I want to know what everybody listening thinks of these devices. Uh, We will be getting the reviews. Alex, you'll be reviewing it for XDA TV. Mm -hmm. Check that out. Go subscribe. Uh, I think Will will be reviewing it for AP. He will have a written review in the coming days and we'll be back next week to talk about his thoughts.
2: I'm reviewing the baby.
0: And you're getting the S23. That's right. Very excited for you. I am. Um, Alex, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing?
1: Uh, so you can find me primarily at uh, youtube.com slash XDA developers. You can also find me on all the social things uh, at Alex Dobie.
0: All right, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to good to get the old band back together. Yes. <laughs> you can find Ara at AraWagCo and me at Journey Dan. I, we keep saying that, but I'm not on Twitter anymore, and I don't think you are anymore, Ara. So we'll I find
2: I, us- I still pop in every now and then, but I'm mostly uh I'm mostly trying to get myself to use Mastodon regularly.
0: Yeah, I'm, and then I'm, I'm using not. a lot
2: of Reddit, which I will not tell people to go follow me there because it's me lurking in a ton of subreddits and not making any posts exactly
0: well you can find us all at android police or xdadevelopers.com there's lots of great stuff on both of those sites just pretend that those are your new social feeds if you want to send us some feedback podcast at androidpolice.com. we do love hearing from you you can also tweet at us i will read your tweets that's one thing i will do i will retweet nice things you say about the show. Tell your friends about us. Leave a review. Do all those things because it helps us spread the word. Until then, have a great week. We will talk to you very soon.
1: Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.